0: About hunting for people who don't hunt or haven't hunted or haven't hunted much. Want to learn. Or
1: want to learn. I feel that tingling in the back of my neck. You have to be there. You have to be there. You don't know it at the time, you know, but it sticks with you all your life. For the burning In our veins And you, you, you don't experience those things Unless you are a hunter just
2: need to get away
0: You touched on a few things here That Why That, that I wanted to bring up on Why go hunting? Like, if we're talking to new people that want to get into this for their own reasons, why do you go hunting?
1: Why do I? Yeah. There there certainly is the most pure aspect of it. Right. Of that, I want meat. Right. (laughs) And 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 that's honestly the most simple way of putting it is that, you know, I... You know, I love Wild Game. And you mentioned our wife and kids. Like, I have the most understanding wife in the world. You sure do. That <laughs> she she insists that I bring home at least one deer a year. She loves venison. I, she and, and the funny part is like she she doesn't like burger because it's a texture thing, mm-hmm. but she would take a bite out of a live deer. She likes her steak so rare. Yeah, you know if I let not her, she could catch it, one. Right? So, like it, I, to, it almost becomes a responsibility to me that, like I said before, you know I I, I eat I eat tag just about every year, yeah. not by choice. When you say eat I,
0: tag, what do you mean?
1: Well, it's kind of a hunter thing that you know you have tag soup you did not you did not get a deer, so you had to eat the tag okay, so to, <laughs> to fill in your
0: hand and not yeah, on it's animal. still in your
1: hand, it's not yeah. on an animal, so to go
0: hunting, mm-hmm. you need to have a license you begin at the beginning here, so okay.
1: okay, there's a couple things you know to legally hunt yep. just about every state is going to require first your license this is permission. To hunt from the state, the yeah. state manages game in the for the public trust in the state.
0: Because every person in America owns every wild game animal in America. Right, wild on your land, you don't own it. Everyone owns it.
1: Right, if, if it is wild game and not, not like domesticated livestock. livestock. livestock right. right, and there is you know deer, elk, whatever that are livestock now. Which is a whole other thing. But we're talking about wild Yeah, we're talking about wild games. So the wild game is held in the public trust and is managed by the states.
0: And in order to hunt it you have to have a license. Right. When you buy a license, they issue you a tag. Right. That depending on the state that you're in, you have to actually physically attach that tag to the animal right. in different so, ways and in different right. places. Most,
1: That's right so I'm like first.
0: Tag this year actually. There
2: yeah. you go. When you the Badlands and yeah.
1: I was
0: like, oh, it literally is it's like, a tag, tag
2: that you wrap around in this case and horn. In the, the
0: regulations, lost. you have to put that on the yeah. animal yeah. in certain states and in certain different ways.
1: So most okay, f- now for a tag, that generally applies to big game. Mm-hmm. You know, so your deer, your elk, your moose, <coughs> and in a lot of cases turkeys as well. Turkey you know, you need the, a turkey tag. You need a turkey tag, and that's true. so in small game uh generally speaking it is not that way. And that more that way it's more like a, you have like a daily limit, a possession limit. More like fish. Or yeah, more like fish. Or a season limit, like sage grouse in mm-hmm. some states. You can only take like one sage grouse per year. They don't issue a tag, but that's one. what that's what you can take. So but like say like pheasants, you know pheasants are a wildly popular bird animal in the yeah. United States. In North Dakota you can take three of those a day and your possession limit, and that's just how many you can have in your freezer, is double your daily take. So you can have six? So you can have up
0: to six. Per six. license. Per license. Per license holder in the household. Right. And we're getting like into, we can get into deep, deep right. tags and rags and stuff. But right. what I'm trying to say is when you get to, uh, when you say eating a tag, you bought your license, mm-hmm. you got your tag, mm-hmm. you when you... When you make your kill, you're your tag, and if you don't do that, you eat your tag. So when you say you eat a lot of tags, you're saying you buy a license and you're unsuccessful a lot. Yes. Okay. It happens, it happens.
2: Well, not necessarily unsuccessful, but, you know... It well, it's not, well, it depends
0: know, on how you measure success. You, you
2: see a small buck, and you're like, you pass on it. Right, you right, right. You right. And
0: that's, I mean... Right, and, and it's I not want necessarily unsuccessful. Right. You're just not filling your tag, so you yeah, keep yeah. that tag, and you uh, have whether by too. choice or not. Right, okay. exactly.
1: And I, I want to add in right here because you mentioned a, a small buck. I've shot a lot of small bucks. Oh shit! Yeah, I mean, well, because,
0: <laughs> like I said, I, if in my purest form, I want venison. Okay, which is bringing us back to why do you hunt? So you why want to eat over trophy,
1: right? You, want you know, uh, so. <coughs> it, it, if we can get into that, right? So, the, so the purest form, I want meat, right? right? And I think that is probably, you know, anybody that wants to get into hunting, that's, I, I can't imagine a scenario where that isn't
0: the primary. That thing.
1: isn't the primary thing. Yeah. You may eventually get to a point where you want to take a
0: bigger. Animal, something that other people would call a trophy. Well, and there's all sorts of reasons to do that too mm-hmm. that we can get into, mm-hmm. but you might get to that point. I don't you want to might, You, you
1: very well might, and in the, and I and I am going to say it right now: there is absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to take a mature animal that you know has trophy headgear, antlers,
0: horns, what have you. In fact, there's a strong argument that that's the best type of animal to take.
1: Right. So and we'll keep, you know, I'll touch on that next, you know, after, we'll continue talking, we'll about, continue that. talking be theme. about that. Right. So, so, one of my other, <clears throat> my other, you know, driving force of why I like to hunt, is I enjoy it. Yeah. Now, I do not run away from that. Like, I am not out there just to procure meat. Um, It's a huge driving force, but I would be lying if I said, I don't get, Enjoyment by going out there, seeing animals, hunting animals, trying to outsmart these animals, right. and well, and, it, and it's this weird thing: is an animal that's living out there is is in constant danger of some predator, and I and humans are just another predator right. of ending its life very quickly. Humans, you know, at one point, you know, we were also very much. In that food chain, where something could end us violently rather quickly, most of us don't do not have that problem anymore. No, well,
0: an the argument could be made that we are not now. We never became apex predators. Right. There are an apex predator is something that has no natural predators. Mm-hmm. And if you were on the wild right now, you would have a lot of natural predators. Or you could, you, you may could. possibly, we don't know. Yeah. But you're definitely not like, the strongest, baddest thing out there. You turned into a squishy monkey somewhere along the line. <laughs> right. And there's, like, I mean, wolves and cats and all that stuff will hunt you down. Mm-hmm. And Just because you have a boomstick.
1: Right. And eventually, you know, even if you managed to evade all those things, lived out and died, you're, you died from disease, starvation, old age, what have you, Eventually, something would still consume you. Yeah, you would be scavenged. Life you know? feeds on life. Life feeds on life. <laughs> yeah, and the an interesting point about that, but I haven't talked to my wife about this. I don't think she's going to agree. But she doesn't have to necessarily bury me.
0: <laughs> you know, I am okay. one of those Tibetan sky funerals. <laughs> Just gonna talk to you about uh, that. I yeah.
1: no, I'm little less.
0: Throw so you out in the back forty.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know, you can quite honestly, you. You know, I'd be okay with, you know, you just take me out, set me in some buffalo berry bush- bushes, and, and you know, let, let, the co- let the coyotes have at me. Because uh, that's only fair. <laughs> I think the state will let you do that. They won't, no. no. Okay. There's some really archaic laws that i don't There's a little <laughs> bit outlaw in me, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You'll, so, you'll be dead,
0: you won't care. Yeah, it uh, won't be my problem at that, so point. Yep. will it. Yep. <laughs> so... So you enjoy it.
1: So I enjoy it, and I don't run away from that. So... You know, mm. and when, and some people, you know, I even see you changing here a little bit of facial expressions. That yeah. it's it's Well, why would you run
0: away from that? Is my thought.
1: For whatever reason, people hunters feel they need to defend. Or why they need to defend hunting is you know, um, for whatever reason, if if you enjoy something. That is well, it's, taking the life of an of an, an another you know creature that right. we are supposed to feel some sort of shame. That we're people get to the point where we're not supposed to en- enjoy it, you know.
2: Right, well, because it's the act. Like, you know, because those you're people, yeah, those killing same something. Same people go to the steakhouse and order the prime rib. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right,
0: right. Because you're killing something. <laughs> because you're killing something. Because there's not personal experience with it, mm-hmm. they equate it into well. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to speak for people, but it gets equated. With teddy bears and, mm-hmm. uh, and and cartoonized African game. The Disney filter. Disney filter. Mm-hmm. They equate it to walking in and slipping the dog's throat and frying it up. Shooting right. shoot. up the Lion King? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or shoot mm-hmm. Bambi. Bambi mm-hmm. did more damage to Haunting in America. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: So, it, it. I will eat the shit out of Bambi's day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so problem, at, that
0: depending on.
1: Right. And so finally I would get to the point of trophy hunting.
0: Yeah.
1: And if I if I could start a hashtag, it would be called eat your trophy. Eat your trophy. Right. So a mind. lot of people have this idea that it's trophy hunting, that you're going to go out and you're going to shoot the biggest possible animal you're going to find, you're going to cut the head off, and that's all you're going to take.
0: Yeah.
1: Which I would consider a mortal sin
0: and it's actually very 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 illegal. Right. There so, are things called wanton waste laws where you have to harvest the meat. Right. So out of any game you take including neck meat in some places, I think Colorado makes you harvest n- neck meat.
1: Yeah, or innards like <coughs> in some places you were required to pack up liver, heart. heart. Right. It, so the squishy
0: bits. The squishy bits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so you can't do that, but So if so anyone that thinks that you're out there cutting mm-hmm. off the head and mounting it and leaving the rest out there to mm-hmm. rot in the sun, like the mm-hmm. old days of buffalo, mm-hmm. that's absolutely not happening and is very illegal and is considered poaching and you will lose hunting privileges Right. And in any state that you do that.
1: If I see somebody do that... And you should. you, know, and you should. Yeah. You
0: absolutely should.
1: Right. If I see people doing like that, I will absolutely turn them in. 100%, and everyone mm-hmm. out there should. Right. I mean, I have turned in people before for other violations. Right. You know, and I would have no qualms about doing that. Like, actually, last year, like, North Dakota, you were not required to take the squishy bits. Right. Like, but I actually, with my hunting party, that somebody had shot a mule deer and gutted it, and I went over and scavenged his gut pile. Because that's <laughs> good stuff, man. <laughs> and took another deer
0: heart. Heart is one of my favorite right.
1: bits. Now, I, because of my background... In education, like, I do not eat liver because liver is a filter. Right. And I do not eat filters. So
0: it it (laughs) takes all the nastiest stuff. Right. (laughs) It it takes all the
1: nastiest stuff out of your blood. And I I just, I cannot get over it. So there's a lot of people that can. I don't blame them. Go ahead. But I I can't get over it.
0: Iron rich, right? Mm -hmm. Iron rich. Yeah. uh, Lots of vitamins. Some animals, though, mm -hmm. like polar bears, I think. Have uh, polar bear liver has so much vitamin A you can't eat it you'll die of vitamin A poisoning. <laughs> fact check, We're gonna have to fact check, okay? um, Not that you would ever go right. shoot and eat a uh, polar bear liver, but you know, do mm-hmm. your research.
1: Right. So, what you know, a lot of people what they get to is that point is where they want to take trophy animals to either it's more challenging. Right. Or it's a, it's almost like a moral thing that they want to take an animal that is late in life, is right. passed on its genetics. Just have to point out real quick that Tony is dead oh,
0: right. Dead right. So great is the polar bear's ability to store this vitamin that if you were to consume the liver, you would more than likely succumb to, to the effects of, I'm not going to say this right,
2: hypervitaminosis A. Put simply, it would be too much vitamin A for your body to handle and you would suffer from vitamin A poisoning.
0: Up, I learned that from uh, Hunter Angler Gardener Chef. I forget Hang the Shaw. gentleman's name. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Hank Shaw is like Hang a Shaw. hero of mine. One like of one of
0: my strong strong inspirations that we discussed previously mm-hmm. is that man's ethos is something that I parallel.
1: Right. Okay. I I follow him on Instagram. <coughs> he recently posted a picture of duck tongue. Like he made something with duck tongues. Like all the ducks he shot in the ear, he like collected the tongues and, like, made this dish out of duck tongues. And He's he only gets guy. He only gets to have one a year, because if you're not familiar with the duck, it's not very big. See, and, like, you can imagine a tongue as being out of, like, the tip of your pinky. You know? You don't get a whole lot. Yeah. So to make a meal out of
0: it, you know, you had to collect a whole lot of them. Did you know they also had corkscrew penises? I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like walleye cheeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah walleye cheeks. <laughs> just little. Oh, you don't get much, but it's good. Oh, it's wonderful. So... You were talking about trophy hunting. Mm-hmm. Is trophy is one of the reasons why you hunt?
1: Yes. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. I like <laughs> I like taking big mature animals to like I said they're they've lived their life right you know they've passed on their genetics right you know and one of the big things especially deer in this area where okay so deer go through what is called the rut. Mm-hmm. Where it is a breeding season, and it's in uh, November in this part of the country. It's right before winter, and it happens yeah, it typically happens in the fall. Yeah, well, I mean, typically happens go, in the fall. The further south you go, the further south you go, the more it happens into winter. Right, you know. So, and during that time, a buck will lose nearly all of, especially an adult mature buck will lose nearly all of his reserve fats.
0: Because and all he's trying to do is breed.
1: All he's doing is running around constantly breeding. He'll stop and get a bite to eat once here and there, you mm-hmm. know, and he'll get he'll collect water because he's running around like crazy, but he basically will burn through just about all of his reserve fats that he needs to to get through the winter. Right. So what happens is because they've burned through all those reserve fats, you know, they have a very high winter mortality mm. because... Of their urge to breed at that point overweighs their urge to survive. they're more interested in mm-hmm. you know the you know the very, very long term of passing on their genes than they are right. than they are in the short long term like okay, how do I make it from November right. to April
0: Cause that's the strongest biological impulse we all have, and it's one of the things that I've right. learned uh, from hunting in general and mm-hmm. educating myself is. Um, nobody cares about anything except passing along their genes from a natural perspective when it Mm -hmm. comes to animals and I mean just as a parent myself even like you don't raise your kids you raise your grandkids Mm -hmm. like the things you say to your kids are going to impact your grandkids and Mm -hmm. most animals will stay alive long enough to go to a second generation and past that they pretty much outlive their life cycle Mm -hmm. when it comes to viability for breeding Right. That's successful at that point. Right. So, so that could also be bullshit. I,
1: I have no moral uh, problems with trophy hunting right. when it's done in such a way that you know I'm taking an animal anyway. Right. I'm going to consume that animal. Right. And just because it is a, a fine specimen of the species, mm-hmm. I'm also going to hang those antlers in my house is yeah. a, mem- a, you know, a, a memory of the hunt. Right, exactly. And, and and there's something to be said, again, the primal nature of the memory of the hunt. Absolutely. Like, you will not find cave paintings in France of people <laughs> gardening. Well, you might. Well, <laughs> what, you know, what, you know... What do they revere, though? What are, yeah, what are they... It's scenes of hunting, Right. you know. It's, you know, they're... You know, I'm sorry, but going out and collecting... You know, they probably collected truffles. They probably... You know, a yeah. lot of different things. You know? <laughs> and, you know, we'll talk about collecting morels and stuff later. Right. And mother mushrooms, I do right. that a lot. Right. But... Right. So that's what, you know... That's what they, like you said, revered. Yeah. You know? So I don't see a whole lot of difference now. No, you know? I don't either, and there shouldn't be. Right. So when people... Like, they have this really negative connotation of trophy hunting and what they think is happening.
0: Because of Cecil the lion and the white rhino that that dude from Texas paid $600,000 to shoot, I think. Um, And, you know, I've had in-laws say to me, like, I just don't see why anyone would shoot a zebra. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it it gets to the Africanization or the cartoonization of African wildlife again too that puts mm-hmm. the bad taste in a lot of the general public's mouth with that sort of stuff. Right. Or you know Texas cheerleaders on a game farm in Texas shooting African animals and being happy about it and smiling and doing the grip and grins with it. Mm-hmm. People just don't like that because they don't understand it.
1: Right. And it, and I'm not going to go out and say that I also do not have that kind of hunting, like the canned. High fence. High fence thing. Like, I will not call that hunting. No. It's not.
0: So, okay.
1: (laughs) But if I go out and match wits against a wild animal that is a trophy in nature, you know, and, you you know, that is exceptionally difficult. 100%. You know, and you are going to want to remember that experience. Right. Right. So is it more okay that if I go out and shoot a 6x6 bull that's just, you know, giant, is it more okay for me to leave part of it out there? Yeah, right. You know, or should I take it home and make more use of it? Right. You know, like this year I even... You know, I tanned up my deer hide to mm-hmm. make buckskin. I don't really have a purpose for
0: it right now. But you'll use it. But I
1: have it. I'm going to make some things out of it see <clears> how they <throat> turn out. I had never
0: mm-hmm. done that before. Well, okay, so I don't mean to no, go ahead. jump in. But the very good argument that I have heard made by several different people that on awesome. the trophy thing to me is so the average life expectancy of, let's take deer in particular. Mm-hmm. Average life expectancy of deer, I think, is like not much more than three years based on winter kill, predation. They can live to be what, like old age for a deer. An eight-year-old deer is an old right? Right. Six to eight years is like pretty old.
1: And because of the reasons that I mentioned, a doe will outlive right. a buck.
0: Because a buck is trying to just... Right. spreads genes, and he's not worried right. about it in the <laughs> most important time of the year to
2: right. to, it,
0: to survive winter, which seems like a weird quirk of evolution, but it, it's it. all about viability the offspring and oh. how the doe would then winter and uh calve I don't know if you call it calving,
1: you can call it with elk yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Or, or so deer now they calve in the spring, which gives mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the offspring the best amount of time to grow up before they have to winter themselves right so did you find it average life from the uh, wildlife ecology that's the average
2: lifespan for white-tailed deer is 4.5 years males have an average of 2.9 years females have an average of 6.5 okay Mm -hmm. so
0: if we're talking about bucks specifically which I don't have any qualms about uh, shooting any male-female buck doe and even yearlings or any of that stuff depending on and we can talk about that I don't have qualms about that Personally, um, but, so if we're talking about bucks specifically, which is what you're gonna classify as a trophy, if you find a, so first off, most bucks aren't gonna live past two. Or at mm-hmm. least, by definition, average age is two. Mm-hmm. So if you find what's considered, by the time they're two, they're a forky? So, maybe yeah, depending maybe on their genetics. genetics. Yep. So, so a forky, uh, so, A yearling is a fawn that you see in the fall because they're born in the spring, Mm. right? One and a half would be the next year, Mm. and they would either be what you call a spike buck or a fork buck by one and a half, right? Mm. Which a spike is a single antler out of each side that doesn't fork, it's usually very short, like maybe under, I mean, what, six inches-ish on a spike, six to eight inches. And in a year and a half, it'll get, maybe you'll get one split in that tree that they grow of antlers and call that a fork. Um, so by two, then maybe they have a little bit bigger rack, because they grow a bigger rack every year based on their hormones and whatever uh, that up, they've had time to gather throughout their life.
1: Up to a point. Yeah. And then if they live past that point, yeah. you can you can think of it as like a bell curve.
0: Yeah.
1: Once they hit the top of that bell curve, when they're right. Right at the biggest they're ever going to be, and then it's a downhill. And okay. And the downhill is probably a little more gradual. Sure. And they'll start doing some crazier things with their antlers. So,
0: by the point that you get to somewhere that's a... I mean, could you see a six-pointer? A Minnesota Six, we'll call it, because I know out west they do, like, a weird one-side count of points. But uh, a Minnesota Six, a Woodsman Six, because it's not just Minnesota they do Mm -hmm. that, (laughs) we'll call it a Woodsman Six. Mm -hmm. Um, Would that be a two-year-old, maybe? Two and a half or three, something like that? Yeah. Depending on... um, so you can get a six or an eight pointer, but the point I'm trying to make is by the time you get what would be considered even something you would keep for a trophy, Mm -hmm. they're past their average life expectancy anyway. And, um, so you could, that means that that animal's had several ruts now, the fall breeding cycle, to pass along their genetics, Mm -hmm. which if they've made it that far, they've more than likely done successfully. Mm -hmm. Um, they... And if you get into the bigger, crazier trophies, they might be getting past – I don't know if they're getting past breeding age, but they've definitely had several cycles to Mm -hmm. be breeding. They've lived out their lives past the average life expectancy. And to make it through both ruts, um, winter kill after those ruts, and hunting seasons for that many years to become trophy level – that has to be a savvier animal than, let's say, the buck I took this year, which was not savvy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but that has to be a savvier animal. So ethically, they're harder to find. They're smarter than the ones that got themselves killed by one way or another in the years before. So that the argument could be made that that's more of an ethical hunt to take one of those animals that is better at being hunted mm-hmm. than other ones. It's more of a challenge to you as the hunter, which makes you better at the craft you've chosen to pursue, and that animal has had more chances to have create viable offspring. Mm-hmm. So you, and practically, go, to go back to your basic point of putting meat in the freezer, the animals had more years to grow. You're gonna get more meat off. Of oh yeah, they're way 100% bigger, hundred percent more, way bigger. Well, not a hundred percent more, but a hundred percent you will get more meat off of that animal. Mm-hmm. So. For all those reasons, the argument that I've been convinced about the most to take a trophy is the trophy is probably the most ethical animal to hunt because they're better at it, it's more of a challenge to you, which evens the playing field in trying to chase down something and kill, which could be interpreted in certain thought patterns as being more ethical. Um, It's had the most opportunity to be a viable breeding candidate. It's more than likely done that several times, and it's reaching past the average age, and could very likely die off from winter kill or predation or other things, anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, to target a trophy is might be the most ethical way to go about it. You're going to get the most yield, and to take a memento of the fact that you matched wits with what might be the best one out there to match wits with as far as even playing field on that, and remembering the exhilaration of that is, I don't think, anything to be scoffed at or ashamed of, personally. No. And that's the argument that makes the most sense to me. About trophy hunting, at least.
1: With all of that being said, if you were just starting to hunt,
0: you know, uh, don't get hung up on... On trophies? On trophies. Yeah. Oh, I said I have no mm-hmm. qualms about mm-hmm. doe and fawn or any of that stuff. That's because, like, for instance, where I was hunting this year was a hunter's choice area. Mm-hmm. That means that you have a tag, it's for bucks, it's for doe, it's for anything. Mm-hmm. There were no restrictions on antler size, and I have no qualms about that because I trust in my state game and fish agency to accurately survey the population of these animals, to, I mean, there was just masses of deer in that area. Mm-hmm. There was, I mean, to, to accurately survey the population of animals, to accurately map that out against the number of tags that they want to sell, and to say, like, we have a healthy enough population in this area that we can sell this many tags and you can take whatever you want. And so we said, and this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion amongst a lot of folks out there, but we sat around and we said beforehand, like, doesn't matter what it is, if you see it, because we had a weekend, mm-hmm. right, because I'm a working guy, I've got a square job, and I don't have, you know, weeks at a time or weekends in a row to be out there doing it, I had a, a I made a five-day weekend out of it, and I said, if you see something, take it, and mm-hmm. we all agreed, because we're, uh, the immediate goal of hunting in general is to put food in the freezer. hmm so I don't have any qualms about that because I trust my state game and fish agency and my state wildlife management agency to do what they need to do and because, uh, well, the North American model of conservation is the m- most successful that we've ever seen in the world. Without a doubt. So I trust that model to tell me what I can and can't do as a sportsman and I have no qualms about operating within the parameters that they set.
1: Right. We'll come back to the North American model of wildlife conservation. Right. It's a, a very in-depth thing. Right. Um, and, it, it's, and it has, like you said, unparalleled success in the world.
0: To the point where lots of places that have struggled are starting to mirror that.
1: Right. Yeah. I want
0: to touch on a couple of things. I asked you a question. Mm-hmm. Why do you hunt? Um, And so... I have a couple of thoughts on why I hunt. Because you had pointed out that, mm-hmm. you know, coming back to it as an adult, I had an opportunity to, I had a gap, and I had an opportunity to consider it rationally from an adult perspective on why to do this instead of something that I've just always done, which yeah. has every bit as much of merit. Either one has equally um, equal amounts of merit to them, mm-hmm. right? And tradition is one of the strongest things that keeps people involved in hunting Mm -hmm. and also I don't want to step all over tradition in some of the things that I say or do because it's extremely important to me um, because I did in some ways grow up with that but um, the reasons why I hunt are like you said, food Um, and after listening to this NPR story that I talked about earlier you start, you sent me down like a rabbit hole of and there are other influences too, but going down a rabbit hole of why do you, like the food that you put in your body, mm-hmm. right? Like I ate hardy's on the way here and it's the first time in forever because I went down this rabbit hole of the things that you put in yourself matter. Mm-hmm. And it's just something I had never really considered before. And if you're going to do that, like, why not do the best of it? And there's a strong argument to be made that individually procured wild game is probably the best quality protein that you can get for yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's first and foremost. Um,
1: that NPR story to Jitter Jack, that really, it really paints a, a picture. Um, right. You know, and, it, and it's funny, is it's, um, we're going to have this guy on the podcast future, um good friend of mine named Frank, Um, we lived, we were roommates in college, and Frank hunted when he was young, again, got away from it, um, and then, like, this last fall, I brought him out duck hunting, he wants to get back into it. Right. And he started learning some things. Same situation I'm in. And it, it, so, you know, he had a great weekend. We got some ducks, I made him some wild game, next time I'm going to make you some wild game, I'm going to make you some duck confit. Nice. uh, Mm So I'm like you know, duck fat that I rendered down, you know, making... It, it, it's, it's out of this world. Yeah.
0: But at the time... Cooking is another thing we're going to touch on. Yeah. Woo! You can blow some minds with wild right. humorous Right. So things. I think everyone assumes that it's just gamey and no. has no flavor dry. No, paper it's uh, no. It's like, I, I mean, no. venison Wellington with a backstrap for Christmas? Oh, it, it, change it's your f- life.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Sorry to oh, that's not right. right. So, like, we lived together in college an in mm-hmm. apartment, and... Uh, he and i, I was kind of calling his bluff a little bit because he said he used to hunt a lot when no, he was no, and I—I didn't. I, I didn't think he really did. Yeah. So like a lot I was.
0: People would, say that. That's another thing. Yeah. Be honest. Like so. You <laughs> will be laid bare naked if you're not out there. And, if you are not honest, they will know.
1: And, and I did because what I went out feather hunting and uh, and I had a target of opportunity in some cottontails. Yeah. And I took a cottontail rabbit and. Uh, um, Skinned it, cooked it, prepared it whole. So when I took the lid off that, you could tell that was still a
0: rabbit. And Be- that freaks people out. Because now. I was,
1: and I knew this would happen because I'm, because you know, I'm kind of a, I have a mean cuss streak in me, that <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to kind of call his bluff. So, and I took the lid off that. And and with you your could, sorry, with yeah. your
0: individual sportsmen in North Dakota, that's a. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a licensed animal, is that it? Yep. yep. Okay. It's considered a fur bearer, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you can pretty much take them all year round. Um, I do that in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. I get the individual sportsmen's with a fur bearer because it's another mm-hmm. 20 bucks on a fishing license, and mm-hmm. if I never take anything, I'll throw 20 bucks at conservation mm-hmm. in Minnesota. And, well, I mean... It, I can get muskrats. Yeah.
1: That. The fly oh, I, like I mean, coffee, cottontail right. is very fine eating. So yeah. Anyway. So. Anyway, I took the lid off this, and, and n- it is like almost like a cartoon thing. Frank turned green. <laughs> like, yeah. he's just like, "Oh my God, you know, and he's like he's yeah you know, it it would have been an I entirely different thing, bullshit. yeah, it would have been an entirely different <laughs> thing if I'd have like broken this animal down mm-hmm. and whole animal and like served it as parts rather than a whole right thing and it's it's funny you know, it was wild game, you know if you do that versus like, if work. somebody, like, goes to the grocery store and buys a rotisserie chicken, you can see, this was a chicken. This right. is whole.
0: Right. You know, it, it, why is it different? That was the whole point with the yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. like, I mean, my grandma lives in a small town, mm-hmm. uh, just, just north of South Dakota, uh, in the one corner, well, there, people don't really talk about the corners, except for Williston in this state, but she lives in one of the corners, so mm-hmm. there's nothing out there. And, uh, I mean, her neighbor butchers chickens. Mm-hmm. Like we did that all the time. It was never a thing to me. So it mm-hmm. struck me as very odd when this person said that they didn't like that the turkey in the grocery store you could tell was an animal. Mm-hmm. And so that's what got me considering mm-hmm. about food systems and all this stuff. And, you know, you eventually, I think the eventual end point of that is I want to go hunting. Yeah. That and a recurring thing for me in my life, I have wide variety of varying interests. I'm wearing a Guinness rugby t-shirt right now. Um you know, I like music, I like art, I like all sorts of stuff, I love reading, I love all sorts of things, mm-hmm. um, I love like just pointless spinning philosophy, mm-hmm. um, but that's not actually pointless, but I will get into that, but um, one of the few consistents was outdoors, being outdoors, and from that outdoor generalist perspective, I think that, yeah, I was along for the adventure, in the boundary waters, and some of that is super fun, but due to like trail ethics and that sort of stuff, you're always a bit of an outsider looking in in those type of situations. Leave no trace ethics, I absolutely adhere to, Mm -hmm. but you are not participating as much as you are observing, it feels like, in some of those situations. You know, with <laughs> designated camp spaces and trails to follow, and leave and all that stuff, right? Like it's there's a bit of a observer instead of part of that. I'm always kind of but hunting is so connected experience of nature. You have to be connected. You have to be connected to not only your environment, but the things that are occupying your environment with you, you're not just looking, you're smelling, you're mm-hmm. hearing you're you're trying not to disturb as much as possible. You're interacting with everything on a level that is so much deeper than if you're and not like, kind of the same way, but mm-hmm. even then, if you're hiking or canoeing, hunting is interacting on such uh, like you're trying um part of that rather than experience it. Mm-hmm. where like we were talking about the other day, I have a bright red backpacking pack. Because in that situation, I want to be seen. I don't want to blend in. If something goes south, I want to be seen. Whereas for hunting and backcountry hunting, all you're trying to do is not be noticed. Because you you are participating to the point where you're blending in so far that you can sneak up on something that bases its entire life on just not getting killed and breeding to do that. Kill it and eat it. Like that's what that thing tries to do Beyond everything other than maybe breeding is it tries not to get killed and eaten. Every day, all day. It tries to eat, it tries to breed, and it tries not to get killed. And you're trying to do one of those things and you have to blend in. And like, it's so much more of a connectedness to that that I didn't realize when I was a kid that I've come back to an adult that is very, very exhilarating to the point of that screaming bugle you were talking about. Or that screaming bull, bugling bull. Like that exhilaration of And I'm sure that is extremely poignant. And I've honestly never been that close to a bugling bull.
1: I want to emphasize how much better an animal is at that than you are as a
0: person. Right. An animal is better at being a wild animal than you are at being a person.
1: Right. It's like this last fall, again, elk hunting in Montana, I had a spike bull at a about 25 yards, which, with my archery equipment, my proficiency is well within my wheelhouse of mm-hmm. making it a clean, quick kill. Right. And, like I said, I'm a trophy hunter. That spike bull would have been a trophy to me. Right. That's a year-and-a-half-year-old animal. It would have been the first elk I've managed to take with a bow, and I would have been doing backflips down the mountain with this thing. And, again, and back was, to
0: that DIY mentality. Yeah. Like... And being working guys, mm-hmm. you had a limited amount of time, so mm-hmm. sometimes you fill your tank.
1: Right. Now, this, I was half drawn on this bull. And I'm yeah. about to kill this bull. I waited for him to get behind a tree to where he right. couldn't see me. I, and I, I, you get into like this superhuman It's
2: crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy
1: you, like, every sound, every, every flick of the movement, you, you're you so in the zone when you were about to make a kill. Yep. And I, so I know I was dead silent. Right. And I'm drawing, and I'm waiting for this bull to step out from behind the tree to kill him. And I, I'm kind of limited to my angle that I can do this in, you know, because I'm in a, I'm a, I'm most, in a tight spot. And I sense something's wrong because he quits moving. Mm -hmm. And I turn my eyes, just my eyes, to look back at him, and there he is staring at me. He can like, crane his neck backwards and is looking back behind the tree. what you doing over there? Yeah. (laughs) And I'm pinned. Right. And I'm like, this is impossible. But he knew you were there. This is the sixth sense thing that he has. Right. And like you were saying, they are so good
0: at not succumbing to whatever. Right. So that interactiveness with that right. is like, at that moment, we felt alive, man. Oh, <laughs> you I,
1: know? And the thing is, he never knew what I was.
0: He just knew you were there.
1: He just knew something was wrong. Right. And he did 180 degrees and just slowly walked back the way he came. Right. He's like, oh, I don't like this. You know, there was just something, and that's going
0: to be a trophy elk one day. Yeah, there was just something. Smart.
1: Yeah, there was just something in him that knew. No, if I take one more step forward, this isn't good. This isn't good. But if I go back the way I came, I'm I'm probably okay. Right. And it and it's like it's moments like that. It's actually moments that I've passed on a shot or I've failed. Like or, or if that's even the word for it, maybe it's not. It's not failure. You know that those <laughs> are the moments that like. Really, really stick with me,
2: right? Right. You know, and the moment you moments know, when you know, don't these
1: are, kill. yeah when I'm writing, you know, I, right? And no these are the moments that I write down, you know that right. you know, that, that I publish and what have you. So, um, it it it's so beyond the kill. It's not about the kill, right? So, um, you know, these are kind of ha- pieces I want to hammer home with.
0: People. Absolutely, and I mean, so that. Connectedness with nature, even this screaming elk. I mean, that happens when you're walking a stubble field with a shotgun and three buddies and mm-hmm. some roosters jump up. Mm-hmm. I had a dream last night about seeing roosters in a stubble field. it's no <laughs> lie. Because it's like, it gets to a certain level of, I mean, it gets to a certain level of that connectedness with nature that is on the same level. I have a story. It's on the same level as any type of. It feels more like being who I am.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It feels like home
2: mm-hmm.
0: in the most like intensely electric way, and it's absolutely addicting, and it is for a reason because we are literally wired as animals to do that because we are just animals.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like it's the same thing as when when we first had our baby. He was six days old. The first time we left the hospital or our house, we left him with grandma, who I'm lucky enough to live very close to. And we went to Target and we were shopping in the baby section because we needed something. And I had been on like six hours of sleep in six days. And we were in the baby section and I heard one baby just go wha, like just one wha. Mm-hmm. And there was something that I had not known was inside myself, because he was our first child, that, like, all of a sudden I was just like, where's my kid? Like, he wasn't there, (laughs) I heard some crying, and, like, if I have to burn this place to the ground, where's my child? (laughs) And that, or, like, also somebody, the first time I was driving with a baby in the back, and somebody cut me off in traffic. There's a visceral reaction to that, that I did not know was there. And it's the same type of thing that, hunting in general speaks to. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's worthwhile to chase that. Personally, Primal is the word I use. Primal. It's primal. Um, And also I enjoy being outside. There's something to getting together with your buddies, bullshitting, telling lies. From, you know, sitting around beforehand, sipping coffee when it's way too early in the morning, to maybe having a little nap in your stand, to maybe breaking them down afterwards. It's like very communal and it should be and it always has been and that's something that's not to be taken lightly either. Um,
1: the best naps are had on the side of the mountain.
0: That's right. <laughs> that's your coat that's pillow. right, Coming back to it as an adult, there's just some well-considered and thought out things that are, I'm sure I'll touch on more in the past or in the future that I've been, I find myself fortunate to be able to, like, rationally and with fresh eyes come back and realize these things again. And I think it's something that if you're going to go to the grocery store and buy a steak and eat it, I think anyone that ever does that, ever, Mm. you should go kill something, butcher it, and eat it yourself. That's what I think. And I think also too that if you're going to kill something, take the time to finish the job. Do the butchering personally. Right. Personally, that's what I think. Um, but that's my thought. And I want to say a few point a point about the name, the new Venomores that you mm-hmm. touched on too, which is, I mean, the podcast is geared towards people that are new to it, mm-hmm. to this, right? And as we discuss specific hunts and experiences we've had together. I'm gonna talk about all the things that I wish I would've known beforehand, all the ways I made myself look really dumb to help people not do that themselves. And all the questions I have about I have for you about like, why is the tackle for ice fishing so much smaller than the tackle for summer fishing even though you're catching the same damn fish um, <laughs> in the same places, right? <laughs> so I I'm mean- I'm sure it's a marketing scheme. It's a metabolism thing, I think. <laughs> um, but... Tungsten market. <laughs> right. <laughs> that sort of stuff, right? Like, I mean, just, just things like that that make no sense or that make sense but maybe you might be intimidated or afraid of looking silly because, I mean, there's definitely a attitude in places that, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of, it, it's kind of a club, right? And mm-hmm. you're gonna catch some shit from some people and that's part of the fun from right. time to time, right? Um yeah. Well like I said, these the things that
1: I'm gonna talk about are the ways I do it, that I've been successful, right? And there is a competitive nature right to people and they're gonna bit of a secretive nature about it. Bit of a secretive nature. And there's people that are gonna be right in and they're gonna tell me what an idiot I am and oh, how yeah. I've you know, how I'm wrong with something and I'll be like, Well, you know what? You know, come check out my freezer, you know, tell me I'm
0: unsuccessful. (laughs) We're doing this for you, listener, Right. because I'm going to catch a lot
2: of,
0: (laughs) if anyone cares to listen to this, I'm going to catch a lot of hate for some of the dumb stuff I've done too. Mm -hmm. And that's for you to not do yourself or to arm yourself, because that's the number one thing that I'll touch on coming back to this, is take the time to educate yourself, Mm -hmm. because that's the best thing you can do for yourself. And you know, we'll take the hate so that you can learn the best ways to do it yourself. Because mm-hmm. I think the thing that we both want most is to engage new people and Definitely. engage and engage another generation of hunters. Because I think another thing that the name means to me, the new venivores, is there I see from the things that I pay attention to in the media and things like that, that there is a bit of a turnover happening when Mm -hmm. it comes to the population and type of people that hunt Mm -hmm. and want to go hunting and there's a bit of a renewed interest in adults like myself that never grew up hunting that want to do it themselves. And um, I think both being a new, quote, venivore myself and speaking to a new type of venivore that's not like my grandpa in you know, a thousand pounds of gear out there, like trudging through uh draws in western North Dakota, which was he was successful in his own way, but that's a certain type of doing things that is old school and there's like sort of a new renewed interest and way of doing this that we're seeing. Lots mm-hmm. of technology leaps even in the fifteen year gap that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Right? Or from like my dad's time to now. There's lots of leaps in technology and technique. So, and some things are very much the same, but I think that means a lot, too, is speaking to a new type of person that would be interested in this type of thing. Right. Because it's stereotypical a lot, too. Like I say, Mm -hmm. someone sees me in my real tree crocs out of the lake and they're asking me where I went duck hunting, you know?
1: You don't actually have real tree crocs. Hell
0: yeah, and I love them. (laughs) (laughs) Crocs are great.
1: Okay, so... (laughs) <laughs> what we're going to so what 20's Drive is that we really want to get this to be listener focused because um, we we uh, we have a true honest passion to help other people get into this
0: and that is the passion behind it is to drive new people towards this as one myself, I'm finding it so enriching in my life mm-hmm. that I think it's something a lot of people could learn from and a lot of people could get a lot of benefit from, and I want to do everything I can to help people. Not fall into some of the pitfalls that I have, right? So,
1: just to, you know, we're gonna have a website. Yep, it's gonna be thenewventivors dot com with yep. a look. Social media. Social media. Um, All your favorites. So, if before we get the website up, I guess we could share the e- email. Like it's just thenewventivors at gmail dot com. There you go. If you really. Want to before we get up and going here? Better spell it. That's, that's <laughs> what happens when you
0: make up words to name your things. You get all the best. Yeah, you get all the best, uh, yeah. you all yeah. the best URLs. So, <laughs>
1: venivore, as we're spelling it, is V E N D-E-N-I- B-O-R-E. It's like carnivore. It's like carnivore, yeah. only venivore, like right. venison. Right and. Uh, if neither one of those ways you want to contact people, you can hit me up directly on Instagram at uh, Deshane Adam. It's D-E-S-C-H-A-I-N, Adam. So, and that's not my real name. It's a pen name I chose. I might drop it.
0: No, dude. I mean, so. you're trying to fill some pretty big boots there. <laughs> but I like it, man.
1: So, um, you know, I'm not, you know, I do publish some other things, but we'll get into that later if you... Folks really want to get, you know, so. Uh, but yeah. please, you know, engage us because it's going to make this podcast better.
0: The more feedback we get, the more we can do the uh, to to tailor this to our listeners, the more mm-hmm. we can do to answer questions that you uh, want to answer. Another bit of this, once we get through some of the information and experiences that we've had together, is we're going to have to, I mean, this Part of my uh, extremely selfish motivation here is to have a now roped in mentor take me out on new hunts and <laughs> force you to teach me new things so that we can have content for our now podcast. So, um, I mean, if you've been... If you've got places or things you want to hear about, let us know, and we can definitely go do that, and Miller can tell you about his experience as a season hunter, and I'll tell you about all the dumb stuff I did, so you don't do it yourself. All
2: right.
0: And I'm not, to be clear, going out with the intention of making dumb decisions <laughs> and doing dumb things, but by nature, as somebody who's new to this, it's one of the things that I've found to be a fairly strong barrier to entry that I think we can help people get past themselves if this is something they want to do. All
1: right. Like I said earlier um you know, I'm always planning my next hunt.
0: That's one thing I was gonna to touch on. So I,
1: I can probably help you plan your first hunt. Ooh. You know you go. You know, it you know, I've never been, you know, to the east coast but it like because I know how to navigate game laws and, you know, regulations and find places, like I can probably help some things that are very specific. Um, if you have questions. So
0: also, we're talking a lot about hunting right now, but we are both fairly uh, enthusiastic fishermen, if mm-hmm. not uh, highly skilled, because there's some real great fishermen out there. But uh, I, I mean, I live in Minnesota, 10,000 lakes, so there will not be a small amount of fishing talk as well. Right. From Again, from an amateur perspective.
1: And we'll also touch on just foraging as well. So, like, Oh, yeah. Uh, I
0: will never lie
1: to you about... Or tell you something. I never lie about a fishing tip. Well, I, like, I have no problem putting people on fishing tips. I'd lie to my own mom where I find her else. So. <laughs> that's
0: uh, something. That's, but I will
1: tell you how to find them. That's, <laughs> another, that's another
0: thing that I uh, was going to touch on. is the, And we can put this in wherever we want. But mm-hmm. there's this secretive nature of hunters that I think we can get around to. One of my favorite stories Nothing. on this is we're out of the lake the very first, we're friends with the neighbors, the very first time the neighbor kid met the other neighbor. They walk up and he goes, they park their ice house next to each other and Doug goes, hey. And Brian goes, hey, what's your name? Doug goes, what's your name? And Brian goes, Brian. And Doug never told him his name. (laughs) And Brian goes, as far as I know the story to go. And, uh, And Brian goes, you catching anything? Doug goes, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You? And Brian goes, same. And Brian says, where are you catching them? And Doug points over his shoulder with his head and goes, over there. Which was the whole rest of the lake. <laughs> and, and says, where are you catching them? And Brian goes, over there. Points generally in the same direction with his chin. They go, all right, nice to meet you. And walk away. <clears throat> and there's this weird thing that you can probably trust somebody that doesn't trust you, when you first meet them more than you can trust somebody who immediately trusts you when you first meet them. (laughs) And that is tenfold true with hunters and anglers. And my last point I'll make, we talked about foraging and hunting and fishing. And I think that if it's important to you to procure your food sources um, in a way that you do yourself and is healthy and is, you put your own work in and the ethics of work and working towards things for yourself are not to be understated in this because it is a massive amount of work which being of a philosophical bend I'm sure I'll touch on a bunch but if it's important to you to get wild game and forage for food hell man walnuts you can make flour, uh, acorns you can make flour out of like come on so if it's important to you to do those things to go hunting and fishing it should be equally as important to grow a garden in your backyard which is has exactly the same ethics attached to it in my opinion and is someone who has a young child, a young son, who's in, it's in, another reason why hunting is it's very important for me to not lose that tradition and for him to understand the connectedness and where his food comes from It's equally as important to do the same with shit that you grow out of the ground and it's an adrenaline rush. And man, I'm telling you when you pull that tomato off the vine, I never felt more electrically alive. <laughs> <laughs> alright I think that's it thanks I'm gonna, for joining us I'm going to wrap it up with the best piece of advice I've ever gotten dig deep sharpen your teeth and get out there
2: Cubicles and little flaming pies.